person at 100 miles per hour, the blood still works. Hallelujah. Amen. Joshua had us going there. I said, Lord, choir member's about to fall out. But he was pushing. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Keep pushing. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's better than dragging it. Amen. Because the blood still works. That's the message. You got to know that you know that you know that the blood still works. Nehemiah chapter 1. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Glory to God. Thank God for the blood. Mm. Yes. Nehemiah chapter 1 beginning at verse number 1. The, the word of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, it came to pass in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. So it was, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven, and I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night, for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel which have sinned against you, against you, both my father's house and I have sinned. We've acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your, your servant Moses. Remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to the farthest parts of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I've chosen as a dwelling for my name. Now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O oh Lord, I pray, please, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name, to fear your name. And let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Verse 3, I believe it is, says, And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity... In the province, there in great distress and reproach, the wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. The message that came to Nehemiah. I don't know how this message is going to go today, so be in prayer. I had to say, Lord, I trust you. God is waiting on you. God is waiting on you, looking for you, waiting on you. Father, thank you for your word. 
Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you, Lord, that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish all that you desire. You said you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. So thank you for sending your word to us today, and thank you for what your word is going to accomplish in our lives. God, our ears are open to you. Our hearts are open. Our spirits are ready to receive from you today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. It's you that God is looking for and waiting for. Mm. Have you ever gotten to a place in your life that you had to ask yourself, how did I get here? Anybody ever done that? Ever been there? I know I've done that, had to do that several times in my life. And I think it's a part of the human walk. It's a part of the human walk, especially when we find ourselves out of step with God. Amen. Sometimes believers can get out of step with God. Out of step does not necessarily mean that you're out there doing drugs or, or, or something that's so uh, committing adultery or anything like that. Out of step can be that you're caught up in yourself. You're caught up in your own world and what you want to do. It's all about you and not about anybody else. You know, out of step can be a, can be a variety of things. And sometimes we, we stop and we look back and, and, and when, when the Lord begins to, to, to wake us up, and of course he's always trying to wake us up and draw us, but when we begin to pay attention to what God is, is doing, what God is saying, and sometimes it's through events that God has to uh, allow in our lives for us to be aware, to wake up and pay attention to, to him and what he has to say. You know, we get to the place, we say, how did I get here? How did I get here? How did I get here? Yeah. And, 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 and we find ourselves, we're out of step with God. The, the human heart, the human heart, the Bible says, is evil and desperately wicked. And we can't even know our own heart. You can't, the heart that, that the spirit and the mind that, that resides in your body, you can't even know. And of course, of, of course, we don't think that way. We think that, you know, we can know our hearts. You know, we've heard people say, be led by your own mind. You know, be guided by your heart. And we forget that the Bible says the heart is desperately wicked. So you can't be guided by your own mind, by your own psyche, uh, by your own sushi. You cannot be guided by your own heart. Amen. Because it is desperately wicked and it will lead you to be out of step with God. Amen. And it's so important that we really grasp that. You know, young people, older people who, who, who may not really be serious about your walk with the Lord, you got to know that your heart is desperately wicked. Amen. You cannot know your own heart, and it will lead you to be out of step with God. The flesh never dies, you know, and the flesh is like, you know, when you start starving and when you stop feeding the flesh, it gets like a hungry dog, amen, that's always ready to be fed. And that will, that once you start back feeding that flesh again, it will start uh, it will start devouring food. I mean, it will. Have you ever paid attention to a hungry dog that eats? And just, maybe some people eat like that too. I don't know, but you know, eat like they've never seen food before. You know, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so we have to be really careful. We have to be really careful about that because we'll find ourselves in a place that we don't want to be. Amen. You may think you want to be there when you start going in that direction. But when your eyes come open, you'll find out that, no, I don't want to be in this place. I don't want to be in this place. Amen, amen, amen. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and so you, you, you have to be careful. Even when it seems like that your heart is leading you to where God wants you to go, there is an, there is an ulterior motive of the heart. Always be careful about that. You, that's why the Bible says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons and daughters of God, not those who are led by your heart. Your heart has an ulterior motive. Tell yourself, say, my heart has an ulterior motive because my heart is desperately wicked. It's evil. I cannot trust it. 
I must trust the Spirit of Almighty God. Amen. Now that's a mouthful right there. I can stay right there and preach a whole message on trusting the Spirit of Almighty God because a lot of people who, who come to the church, and this is not just your people, don't know how to be led by the Spirit of God. Amen. There's no way that you can be led by the Spirit of God without really digging into this Word and knowing the Word of God. Because we have to remember that there are more spirits in this world than the Holy Spirit. You have an eye gate and you have an ear gate. Amen. And Satan and his demons are spirits that are working in your desperately wicked heart to lead you away from God. I've encountered people over the years who said things to me about when, knowing that they were, they were deliberately living in sin and talking about how God has blessed them. Talking about what God gave to them and deliberately and knowing that they were living outside of the will of Almighty God. That does not add up according to the Scripture. Because sin separates us from God. And we have to understand that. It is not a judgmental statement. It is just the truth of the word of God. And so, so we have to be very careful when we connect with people. I heard something just the other day. And, and you'd be surprised. at. And I won't say what I heard. I can't say what I heard this morning. I'll say it one day. But we have to be very, very careful when we connect with people that are not rooted and grounded in Scripture and we lend them our ears. Amen. So if you, if you don't like the way I preach, one of the things you have to be honest about is that I'm trying to tell you the truth from the Word of God. I'm not going to veer from the Holy Scriptures to follow some strange doctrine. I've been rooted and grounded in this for too long, and I've studied too hard, amen, to be led astray by some strange doctrine because I want to be relevant to the, to the times that I live in. I want to be relevant to God. I want to be faithful to God. I want to be faithful to the Holy Scriptures. Are you understanding me? You know, and so you have to be very, very careful about, con about connecting with people who are not rooted in ground. They may be very intelligent people, but if they're not rooted and grounded, in sometimes intelligence can be a downfall. Amen. You can think you're so smart and you're so read up and you're, you're so studied, but you haven't you don't really know the foundations of scriptures, nor do you know the errors that the church fathers early on in Christianity had already debuted and had already, had already called uh, heresy. Am I making this sense to anybody? So sometimes we get to a place and we wonder, how did I get here? How did I get here? How did I get to this place? Well, you know, because this human heart is so desperately wicked, it leads us to stray away from truth, to stray away from righteousness. And it's not a, it's not a damn thing. It's a gradual thing. You know, you just, you take in this little doctrine, you take in that little doctrine, and you listen to this, and you listen to the other thing, and after a while, you're saying, I don't know what to believe. I don't know if the Bible is right. I don't know if what, the, what my pastor is preaching is the truth. Because I heard this. But you heard this and you didn't come back to the foundation to study and find out the truth of what you have been learning and the error of, let, let me tell you something. I was looking for something on, 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 looking for a definition last night of a word on the internet. Okay? And, and, when you, when you type in biblical definitions of words, just type in, a bunch of stuff will pop up, okay? The very first thing that popped up was a definition that looked right. But the foundation, whoever wrote it, was Jehovah's Witness. 
Now, some of us know that you got to be careful, but some people just don't know that. Some people still think that as long as you go to church, I don't care if it's Jehovah's Kingdom Hall, if you're going over to the Mormon Temple, as long as you're going to church, you're all right. Some people still have that concept in their mind. And so people get led astray, and they'll get up to a place that they say, how did I get here? How did I get here? Hmm. When we look at the situation of Israel, if you really studied, if you did what I asked you to do, okay, uh, if you studied the scriptures, if you studied Ezra and Nehemiah, you see them in a bad place. Okay? The, the wall around Jerusalem has been torn down. The temple has been destroyed. Okay? That meant that their corporate worship setting has now been totally demolished, and they are, there are few people who are there, but they have been scattered throughout the nations. All right. How did they get there? How did they get to this point? How did they get to the place that God, who had chosen them through Abraham, and had said that I, to Abraham, I'm going to bless you and bless your seed, and through your seed, all of the nations of the earth will be blessed. How did they get to the place? After David has 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 built this beautiful temple and has established the temple worship and has all of the singers and all of the, the musical instruments and, 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 and this is a grand temple. Solomon built the temple, yeah. After he built this temple, David has established the temple. How did they get to the place that has no more temple? How did they get to the place that the holy city Jerusalem has now been burned. The walls have been torn down. How did they get there? Sometimes when you read the Bible, you got to ask the scriptures questions. And when you ask questions, the Holy Ghost can give you some answers. Amen? So how did they get there? And, and so the Lord reminded me of 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And I'm going to go there, and I'm just going to, I want you to hear this. Because actually, Ezra is a continuation of Chronicles, okay? And at one point, these were one book, right? When you know the history, these were one book. So as Solomon is dedicating the temple, uh, and Solomon has prayed. Solomon has prayed and, 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 and said, I'm not going to read all of this, but we normally focus on verse 14, but listen. Verse 12 says, Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I've heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven, that there is no rain, I command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, and only then, then, I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my prayer, my ears attended to prayers made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever. And my eyes and my heart and my heart will be there perpetually. As for you, if you walk before me as your father David walked and do according to all that I have commanded you, and if you keep my statutes and my judgment, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom as I covenanted with David your father, saying you shall not fail to have a ruler in Israel. Now, I won't read all of this. The reason God responds to Solomon, the way he responds to Solomon, is that this is what Solomon had prayed. Solomon dealt with the fact that there's a possibility that these people will sin, that these people will walk away from you. And so God answers him and said, when they do, because God knows that they were going to do it. Even this house that I've sanctified is the place where my name will dwell. This house. God sanctifies. But then 
Just to fill, and this wasn't thousands of years, saints. Few years past this point, because of the people's disobedience, the temple is destroyed down to the foundations. The walls around the holy city have been destroyed. How did they get here? They disobeyed God. They wouldn't keep God's commandments. You know, listen, saints, listen carefully. And I'm not trying to put anybody in a box, all right? But we, we have too many licenses today. Sanctified people. I know some people don't want to be sanctified. But sanctified people have too many licenses. I can do this. It's okay. It's okay. You know, I can drink my beer. It's okay. The Bible doesn't say anything about uh, that it's a sin to drink beer. That's okay. I can go and party and have a wonderful time with, with, with folk that's unsaved, you know. It's okay. God doesn't say I can't do this. Matter of fact, God says that, that I've got to, you know, I've got to be salt and light. If you're being salt and light, that's different. You know, it's okay. We, 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 we do a lot of things that, is, that, that we say it's okay to do. But ask yourself, how did Israel get to where they were? God said, are y'all listening carefully to me? One of the things that God commanded them, don't marry outside of your faith. Don't marry outside of your faith. So that means don't marry these people from foreign nations. What's going to happen when you marry the people from foreign nations? You have an evil heart. You have a desperately wicked heart that's longing to be satisfied. So, so when you go and marry an unsaved person, you ain't likely to draw that unsaved person to the Lord. Unless you, and if you're mighty strong in God, you ain't going to even give them a second look. I'm telling the truth. If you're saved and you're sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, got a burning desire to go in and see what the end is going to be, some people you're not going to give a second look. But because there's a mixture in your heart already, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, he's a good-looking man. She's a good-looking woman. I can win her to the Lord. But God said, don't do it. If you studied the book, when they began to restore, when Ezra began to restore the temple worship, he called the leaders together and said, you got to put away those foreign wives. Everybody didn't do it, but some of them who loved the Lord, who understood the reading of the book, because when they read the law, they gave the understanding of the law, and people submitted. Let me tell you something. A whole lot of people have a whole lot of heartache because they married unsaved people. Here you are trying to pray and trying to go to church and trying to be faithful. And that unsaved person you married is giving you problems up and down, right side and left side. And you don't know which way to turn. And now you're praying, God, get me out of this situation. God said, I told you not to get in it. And you're led astray. Because, you see, God knows what he's talking about. God knows exactly what he's talking about. So God knew that if they allowed the foreign worship to come in, if they mixed with the other nations, that's why when they went into Canaan, when they went into the promised land, God was having them destroy everybody. That was a part of it because God wanted a pure people. How did they get to the point? I mean, saints of God, we got to be real about this. When we ask ourselves the question, how did I get here? How did I get somewhere where I shouldn't have been? Because our hearts were not right, and we were led astray. It's easy to be led astray. It's easy to be led astray. Gradual falling away. Gradual, just gradually, you know. 
You used to be on fire for the Lord. Now, now the church don't have enough fire to keep you, to keep you in the church. You got to find another church to have more fire. It ain't the fire that's in the church. It's the fire that's in you. Because if you had brought, if the fire had kept burning inside of you, even if the church services were just, just me standing here talking and, and we singing Amazing Grace, the fire still going to be burning inside of you. Why is it that you need somebody to stir up something inside of you that's not even there in the first place? And so now we start looking for things. We start looking for entertainment rather than worship. Because we're gradually, y'all listening? Gradually, we're, we're, we're falling away. We're falling away. And people can see you falling away, and sometimes, you know, we don't know what to say to you. Really? Because when you start falling away, you start pulling away from people. And sometimes the people closest to you can be encouraging you. And it may not be you sitting in here. I may be talking about somebody that you know about that you've been trying to encourage. They're trying to encourage you. They're trying to get you in the Word. They're trying to get you to pray. But your interest is somewhere else. Because you're being led astray. And you get to a place that you're separated from God. And you ask yourself, how did I get here? How? How? How did I get here? You, you, you might even say, God, I know you created me for more than this. I mean, that's when the Holy Ghost really start working with you and start convicting, you know. You know now, 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 now your eyes are coming open and you're feeling bad about what you're doing, you know. You're really convicted and you're saying, I know I've been created for more than this. Am I talking to anybody in here? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so the Lord said to me, okay, so now, you, you got the people's attention about how I, get, how I got to this place. Now the question is, how do I get back to where I need to be? How do I get back to where I need to be? How do I get back to where I need to be? And, and, and getting back to where you need to be is more of an individual thing than it is a corporate thing. In that, yeah, corporately we have a responsibility to pray for you and encourage you, but individually you got to fight to get back to where you need to be. I can't fight your battle for you. Point one, most people will not be honest enough with anybody. Most people, some people will be very honest. Most people will not be honest enough with anybody to tell what the real issue is. Most people just won't be that honest. So this becomes a thing between you and God because God knows your heart. And when you start being honest with God, you got to understand you got to fight to get back because the devil is not going to let go easy. When he's getting you to this place of separation, when he's getting you to this place where you're feeling like you're in the hog pit of life, he's not going to let you go easy. How do you get back? How do you get back? How the Lord shows me this in this chapter, I just thank God for it because I said, Lord, at this point, I don't know what else to say. The only way you're going to start getting back is that you got to hear from God. So what happens in the text? It came to pass in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, and I was in Shushan, the citadel. I was the king cupbearer. I was doing what I had been assigned to do. That Hananiah, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah 
And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors, I'll stop right there. Here, Nehemiah is doing his work, doing what he's supposed to do. But God sends him a message. God sends him a message. Wherever you are, whatever state spiritually you're in, if you're not where God wants you to be, God is trying to reach you. He is trying to get a message to you. He will send people your way with a message about the situation, amen, that you are in spiritually. Amen. He'll speak. He has various ways of speaking. And I looked at this text. And, and I knew that, that God, when he gets ready to do something, will always raise up someone to lead the way. But God was looking for Nehemiah. And God was waiting on Nehemiah to get the message because he knew that when Nehemiah got the message, Nehemiah would respond. But Nehemiah had to get the message. Do you ever get the message? Listen. They could have told Nehemiah what was going on. And Nehemiah could have said, I'm in a good place. I'm the king's cupbearer. Pastor Bob preached about this Friday night. I mean, you know, I, get, I have to taste the food before the king tastes it. So I don't get the food that they're getting down in the quarter. Some of y'all know what the quarter is, right? Some of y'all don't know? Okay. The quarter is, is the place over there. You know, it's not the, not the high place, not the good place. Okay. I don't have to eat the, 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 the uh, uh, pig feet and the chitlins, you know? I know some of y'all think that's good food. Y'all need to stop. I'm telling you right now, y'all need to stop thinking that's good food. We ate that when we couldn't eat nothing else. No. I don't care if you don't like it. It's not good food for you. Throw those chitlins where they belong. Anything that had defecation living in it for 35 years, and now you're going to call yourself clean it and go eat it? Tell yourself, it's not good. <laughs> Anyhow, back to the message. <laughs> Next time you eat a pot of chitlins, you're going to smell it. It's going to turn your stomach. <laughs> Anyhow, Nehemiah, you didn't have to eat that. Nehemiah was serving the king. I mean, yeah, yeah, he was serving the king. He's the king's cupbearer. He gets the best of the drinks. He gets the best of the food. Nehemiah said, I'm in a good place. I'm in a good place. Whatever happens in Jerusalem, those people sin. They deserved what they got. But no. Nehemiah heard God. In the message that came through these men, Nehemiah heard God. Nehemiah heard God say, it's time now for the walls to be rebuilt. It's time for the foundation of the temple to be rebuilt. It is time to build the temple. He heard God. He heard God. And then what Nehemiah did, Nehemiah went to God in sincere prayer. You see, if you're in a bad place in your life, all of the talking you do to other people, may, some of it may help. But ultimately, you've got to reestablish that connection between you and God. Now, Nehemiah had the connection, but for us, I'm talking about reestablishing. Because some people have allowed that connection to break. How many, how many people in here, how many people in here really pray? I mean, I'm talking about really pray. I ain't talking about now nah, lay me down to sleep. I pray to the Lord my soul to keep it. If I should die before I wake, I pray to the Lord my soul to sleep. I'm, I'm not talking about our Father which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. I'm not talking about Lord bless my family. Lord bless my cousins. Bless my mama. I'm not talking about Lord give me a new house. Give me a new car. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about bless, 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 bless. And you don't have to raise your hand. Because you ain't going to do it anyhow. But how many people really, really know how to lay before the Lord and cry out to God and lay them before the Lord until there's an answer from heaven? 
How many of you know how to bombard heaven with your prayers? See, a lot of times we don't have interest in praying. Because a lot of times we think things are all right the way that they are. Nehemiah went before God, cried. Notice what Nehemiah says in one of the things he says in the prayer. Not only have the people sinned, but me and my father's house have sinned. God, I'm not trying to separate myself from this situation that our people are in. God, I'm a part of this situation. And for healing and reconciliation to come forth, God, I include my own sin in the process. But the important thing was that Nehemiah recognized the sin. That prodigal son never would have gone back to his father if he had not recognized the desperate situation he's in. Sometimes God is trying to reach us and we're so busy living life that we pay no attention to God. Go back to sincere prayer. You know what I found out about reading the Bible and praying? Because they really go hand in hand. Reading the Bible and praying go hand in hand. You can't pray effectively unless you're in the Word. And listen, because you don't know what to say. How many of us know? Now, I forgot it. Lord, I come to you, knee bent and body bowed. Y'all know that? Some of y'all remember that. Thank you that my bed I laid on was not my cooling board. Seeds I covered my body in was not my winding sheet. How many of y'all know that? I heard that before. If you grew up in the Baptist church and you paid attention, and I found out sometimes our young people don't be paying attention. It ain't just the young people. I think I'll do a quiz next week about what I preach. No, I better not say that because some of y'all will not be back. You won't come. <laughs> you won't come. You won't come. You won't come. So I erased that. I want you to come. But you got to pay attention. So I used to sit down and listen to those deacons pray. And it got to the point that I could repeat, I could recite. There was one old deacon in our church. I was a little boy because he died when I was young. But I could recite every word that he prayed. Because he didn't have a real prayer life. In no way I can go to God with the same thing. Wrote over and over and over again. Never deal with my own sin. Never deal with stuff that's going on in my life. Never deal with things that's going on in the world around me. Never pray back to God what he said in his word. So I found out that, 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 that in my prayer life, and praying and the word go hand in hand, change starts to take place inside of me. So if I'm going to get back, if you're going to get back, if you're looking at God, how in the world did I get to where I am today. You got to hear from God, but then you got to turn around and go to God in prayer. And then finally, what does Nehemiah do? Nehemiah prays. Nehemiah lays this out before God. Nehemiah determines that, and I just can't go back and rebuild the wall. He hears from God that the wall needs to be, I just can't go back. I'm in a situation now that, 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 if I, that, if, that, that the king has to give me permission God needs to make the way for him to get to the king. For the king to ask him questions. In his sad condition, he could have been killed. But the king says, you never looked like this in my sight before. What is it, Nehemiah? God has made the way for Nehemiah to share with the king what needs to be done. And ask for permission. I mean, along the way, Nehemiah, he's a praying man. Somebody say he's a praying man. My goodness, sometimes when you're going into places in difficult situations, you got to be a praying person. And you got to know how in your spirit to pray. Amen. When your lips are not moving. Amen. You got to know how to just to pray in your spirit. Glory to God. Because you're in a dangerous situation. You don't know how this thing is going to turn out. You don't have time to get on your knees. You don't have time to call anybody else. But you got to be in a prayerful spirit. 
Nehemiah's going to the king and, and, and he's sharing with the king what happens. And now he knows that he needs to go a step further. He's a praying man. God answered his prayer and gave him grace. And so the king says, he says, give me permission to go back and rebuild the wall. And the last thing the Lord showed me as he talks about him looking for us and waiting on us is that we've got to be determined to do everything we can do to do what God is speaking to us about doing. You hear me? It's, how many of you have ever pushed an overloaded wheelbarrow? Anybody? It's heavy. And it's hard to push it. And sometimes if you're not on concrete, if you're on dirt, it sinks down into the dirt. Saints, it's hard to push you when you don't want to go. Sometimes ministry can be like an overloaded wheelbarrow. I am not complaining. I'm just telling you like it is. I, 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 I want you to see this picture. You got to be determined. Now, you're not a piece of log in a wheelbarrow. You are a human being with a body, soul, and spirit. And so what needs to happen is you got to see the bigger picture. This is not an Alfred Jackson thing. This is a God thing. And I want to be what God has called me to be. I want to be doing what God has assigned me to do. I want to take my cup and drink my cup of responsibility. It may be bitter. It may be hard. It may not be what I want to do. But I've got to get back to what God wants me to be. And when I get back to what God wants me to be, then the corporate body can be what God wants the corporate body to be. You see, tabernacle of praise made up of you all, not just me. So anytime, and, and you know, in, the, in the church covenant, if you ever read the church covenant, it talks about your responsibility and what you agree to in the Baptist church. And they will hang that covenant, fish and greet that covenant was hanging on the wall. I don't think people ever read it. <laughs> it's just hanging on the wall. You know, people didn't read it, Jonathan. They just, it was just dad's decoration. Big! I'm bigger than that banner. Begin to talk about your individual responsibility. See, in every ministry, there's individual responsibility. Individual. There are things that you have to do. But you got to be responsible and you got to be determined that you're going to do what you have been called to do what you need to do because what's going to happen is it's going to push you back to where you need to be in the Lord. I know some of you don't agree, but I'm a living witness. Amen. I can tell you the number of churches I've been in in 64 years of my life. And it don't take 15 churches to get anybody right. I was a member of Gethsemane Baptist Church. I joined Grace Covenant Baptist Church when I went to Atlanta. And after that, I've been a pastor. It don't take me skipping from church to church. Did everything happen the way I wanted it to happen? Nope. Were there times worship was not interesting? And, 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 and many times it wasn't. Now, I won't say that, but Fishing Creek, we just have a glorious time, you know? You know? But it was at a different level. I'm not but I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. But I was determined. You know, when things didn't go right, I was engaged. You know? You know, I took my responsibility seriously. I enjoyed what I did. I enjoyed ushering. Got so good at ushering, I got tired of ushering because I was at the back. And the fire was at the front. So I had to move from the back door so I'd be closer to the front because people at the back, not talking about y'all, people at the back would be having conversations. So I said, Lord, let me move from the back. I want to get closer to the fire. 
And George singing in the choir so much, you know, back then, everybody sang the same songs, you know, and they sang them over and over and over again. So you go from church to church. So I was a part of three different choirs at three different churches because we had second and fourth Sunday, first and third Sunday, and I went to just about every church in Fairfield County, but I was determined. When I went to school, nobody had to tell me to find a church. My parents didn't have to tell me, go find a church and join. No, 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 no. That was natural to me, to look for the house of God, to look for the fellowship of believers, to be a part of the body of Christ. But as I look back, I see that daddy put something in me. Because daddy made us go to Sunday school. When it was snowing and sleeting outside and we couldn't drive to the church, daddy said, come on, we're going to have Sunday school right here at home. How many parents have Bible study with their children at home? Gotta, and so, so when I got older and I start, I never, I never left the church now. I go do what I had to do, but I'd be in church on Sunday morning. Amen. I work third shift and get up and drive an hour to be in church on Sunday. That's a, some of these young people, you know, they're too tired. They do the, Lord, you don't have anything inside of you that's pushing you. You need something inside of you that's pushing you that you can't stay in the bed on Sunday morning. You can't miss Bible study on Wednesday night. And, and you're waiting for something on the outside to push you. You need something on the inside. That's why the old song said there's something on the inside and it's working on the outside. Brought about a change in my life. There is something within me that holds the reins. There's something, and I know who that somebody is. He is not a thing. He's the Holy Ghost. Who is determined. Who is determined not to let me go. Remember God said about the Israelites? He said, if they repent, basically that's what he said in Chronicles, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. God is committed to keeping us. That's why you can't just stay out there in your sin and not be convicted. Holy Ghost is going to be reaching for you. Holy Ghost is going to be pulling on you. The Holy Ghost is going to be nudging you. He's going to be speaking to you in the middle. Now, now, now. Now, sometimes you can't sleep all night long. And you wake up troubled in mind and spirit. Sometimes you got that drink in your hand and something inside of you saying, this is not you. This is not you. Sometimes you're in a club and the Holy Ghost is saying, you ain't supposed to be here. And you're, you're pushing past that voice. But God is committed to you to pulling you back to him. So you got to hear him. You got to hear him. You got to go to him in prayer. And once you find yourself coming back to God, you got to be determined to do what you need to do to get to where you need to be. Because nobody can do this for you but you. Nobody can. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. Well, I'm talking to all of y'all. Nobody can! Whenever you're looking for somebody on the outside, they, we can encourage you, but we can't push you to do. The decision becomes yours. So what does Nehemiah do? Nehemiah goes back to Jerusalem, and Nehemiah surveys the work. At night, he doesn't tell anybody what he's doing. Sometimes you got to stop and evaluate your life. You have to evaluate your own life. You got to survey your own life. Stop being, thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to think. How many of you ever take a time of inspection and introspection and look at your life? We sing this and shine the light from heaven on my soul. If you find anything that shouldn't be, take it out and strengthen me. But rather than asking God, to search, search our hearts. We need to start searching our own hearts. The Bible says judge yourself. You won't be judged. So the Bible says that you and I, we need to be inspecting our lives. 
We preach a lot about the fact that God didn't call us to be fruit inspectors for somebody else's life. You need to be a fruit inspector of your own life. Look at yourself. Examine yourself. Holy Ghost will work with you. When he sees that you're really taking a clear, good look at self, because he's determined to get you to the place where you need to get to, but you got to be determined. You got to cooperate with him. God is waiting on you. Things are not happening right. God is waiting on you. There's some things you need to Need to change in your life? God is waiting on you. There are gifts and abilities that you need to present to God in ministry. He's waiting on you. He's waiting on you. He's waiting on you. If we're going to strengthen this body, God is waiting on us. He's right there ready. I don't want to keep preaching. I don't have my watch on. He's waiting on he's, he's He's right there ready. When he sees our hearts, and it's not going to take all of us, watch and see. Tell your neighbor, watch and see. But I guarantee you this, I'm going to be a part of the process. Even if I wasn't the pastor, I'd be a part of the process. To push us to where we need to be in God. He's waiting on us. We've got to be determined. I need, I'll preach on maybe determination next week because even in your determination, and Nehemiah was determined, you see the stuff that will come at you. Stuff will come at you. Amen. God bless you. Let's stand. Hallelujah.